Hey, boys and girls. So we're going to be reading um, Because of Mr. T. And so we are starting back at Anna. If you need to kind of remember what's happened since it's been so long, we just left off with Jeffrey. And he was saying, why did it have to be Peter? Why did he have to put our teacher in a coma? Was it so that I could learn life isn't fair sometimes? And he goes, I learned that a long time ago with Michael. So he's just kind of saying it's unfair. We are currently on Anna. If you need a reminder, Anna is the one who is really quiet and her mom is the outcast. So here we, here we go. Anna, things were working out, sort of. There's been good news for James. Lexi's back to being nice. And Peter's part of our class for class again. But it's hard to stay positive when Mr. T is about to have brain surgery. I get scared when I think about it for too long. And I think about it all the time. That and my mom. Danielle's words crushed me. I didn't get mad at her, though. In a way, I felt sorry for her. I knew she wants to be my friend, but her family doesn't want that to happen. That's got to be hard. It's time I talked to mom about it as soon as, or this time I talked to mom about it as soon as I got home that day. Mom, Danielle said her family disapproves of you and that you and Charlie will never be allowed to get married. Whoa, whoa, slow down, Anna, mom said. First of all, Charlie and I aren't looking to get married. Second of all, I know their family disapproves of me. My jaw fell open. Sit down, honey. I sat at the kitchen table across from mom. She had been looking over the mail and drinking a cup of coffee, cream and sugar. When I burst in on her, mom explained, Charlie and I went to school together. When I ended up pregnant with you, he didn't treat me kindly, just like everyone else. In fact, one day he got so upset, I kicked his truck. I put that dent in his door. I could see my mom reliving those painful memories as she spoke. He's actually apologized to me for how he behaved back then. But why would Charlie say he's sorry if his family disapproves of you, I asked. Danielle's parents and grandparents are pretty old-fashioned and religious, just like my parents, who couldn't find a way to, to be accepting of me and my situation all those years ago. They still can't. For a second, I wondered about my mom, or my mother's mom and dad. I've never met them. Were they really that unforgiving? Or Danielle's? I think Charlie just went along with everyone else when we were teenagers, but now he's ready to think for himself. It's always good to make up your own mind, Mom said. So I have Mr. T to think. If it weren't for his accident, Danielle might never have come over, just like she said. Thanks, Mr. T. But you didn't need to go and get hurt this bad so I could be friends with Danielle. Don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful. But I'd like to have you back now. You're going to be better. Be positive. You taught me that. Maybe Danielle and Charlie will be able to change their family's opinion of us, I said. I'm going to be positive. Mr. T would want that. Danielle. I know what it's like to have to prove, or to have people gang up on you. Being big, I learned real quick. It stinks. I never thought I'd do that, or do that to someone else, but I did. I didn't even realize it. Peter must have felt that no one in the whole wide world liked him. I see it now, but I didn't see it when it was happening, when it mattered most. Not until James and Luke made me open my eyes. Selfishness caused me to be blind. I only thought about how bad I felt. I'm not saying I would have done anything different had I seen it earlier. 
I'm just glad it changed. For all of us. Luke told us that Mr. T is going to have brain surgery. All the girls started crying when he told us that. And the boys didn't make fun of us for it. Not like every other time. Luke kept talking. He told us about Mr. T's wrestling and concussions and it not being all Peter's fault. It was an accident. A real, honest accident. With lots of us to blame. Luke said that Peter threw the snowball because of him. But he wasn't the only one who got Peter mad that day. Others of us started confessing. I prayed to God for clearance, or to cleanse us all. I hugged everybody at James's party. I was so sorry for so much, but really sorry for Peter. Even though we all told him it wasn't his fault, I think he still felt it was. I felt bad for Anna, too. I hope she wasn't mad at me after what I had told her. I wanted us to still be friends. I also wondered what Charlie's intentions were towards her mother. So I asked him. Found Charlie out in the barn early one morning before school. He was sitting next to one of the cows and pulling, um, trying to get milk started. Morning, sun, morning, sunshine, he said. What brings you out here? I wanted to know why you were, you went to see Terry Adams, I said. Share a good cup of coffee with a fine woman, he said, and ask her for forgiveness for the way I treated her when we were in school. Charlie sip, slipped the machine over the cow's udders and got her milking. Good girl, he said, patting the cow. Then he walked over to the next one, squatted down, and started the process over. Do you think Anna and her mom are bad influences on me, I asked. Nope, but I don't think you should try to change Grandma or Mom's opinion on that score. Are you going to see Terry again? I'd like to, Charlie said. He stood and moved to the next cow. Charlie had four machines, so he could milk four cows at the same time. He did the milking every morning and night. Then are you going to try and change their opinions? Nope. I see no reason to start a family war. You shouldn't either, he said. That's easy for you to say, because you can just drive yourself over there whenever you want. Sooner or later, my teacher won't be in the hospital any longer. He'll either be back in the back or in the ground, and I won't have any reason to go over to Tana's house. I want to be friends with her and her mother. I like them. Charlie stopped what he was doing and looked at me. Let's cross that bridge when we come to it, he said. And let's continue to pray that for that teacher of yours. Do you think he'll make it through the surgery? I don't know, Charlie said. I wish I could tell you, but I only know animals. He walked over to me and wrapped me, or wrapped his arms around me, giving me a little squeeze. It's time for you to catch the bus. Go on. Have a good day at school, sunshine. He made me smile a little. I hoped I didn't smell too much like the barn. Jeffrey. If anyone knows silence, it's me. The silence in our classroom wasn't the worst. There was always someone who could turn to and whisper. It contained tons of sadness and guilt, but it wasn't absolute. Even Peter's silence was over. He was lucky. My silence at home passed on, with nobody for me to turn to and with nobody in sight to rescue me. That silence was absolute. The only company in my house was more sadness and guilt. But somewhere along the way this year, T taught me to see things different, to think about things different, to think more about just me than just me. It was always my silence and my fault, but now I started to think about mom's silence and dad's silence, mom's fault and dad's fault. They were hurting too. Why I didn't have to wait for them to talk, why did I have to wait for them to talk to me? I didn't. A few days after James's party, I crept into mom's bedroom where she lay on her bed in her pajamas. I climbed in next to her and put my arm around her. 
Then I told her, it's not your fault. I love you. She didn't do anything, but I lay there and fell asleep, holding my mom. When I woke up, I felt good. I hoped my words had helped her. I thought of T as I walked out of her bedroom. He had helped me reach out. I missed him. I wish I had a chance to tell him how I felt, too. I wanted him back so bad. I found Dad sitting in a chair in the family room, better called the be-alone room in our house. He was home, so I must have slept for a while. I wondered if he had seen me with Mom. Immediately, I knew it was going to be much harder for me to say those same words to him. We never talked to each other like that, not even before Michael died. Hi, Dad. I sat on the sofa near his chair. I saw you in there with your mother, he said. She needs you, Jeffrey. You might be the only one who can help her. Dad, it's not your fault, I blurted out. He didn't say anything. I, I knew my words surprised him, that they hit hard. I got up and went over and hugged him. I love you, I said. I left. Or I let go of, after a few seconds and headed out of the room. It's not your fault either, Dad said. Before I was gone, I heard his voice breaking up as he said it. I felt that good feeling again and thought of tea. Thought about what my dad said about mom needing me. I didn't know what else to do. So every day after school, I started going home and resting next to her in bed. It felt like the right thing to do. I cried. She taught me that, too. We're into May. We're only going to read a tiny bit more. Okay. Um, I won't go past 15 minutes with you. Jessica, Act 11, Scene 1. Welcome to the hospital waiting room, where every face is concerned. Who knows what's on the minds of all these worried people? They keep busy in different ways. Some read, if you watch TV, one lady knits. Eat, enter us, the kids from room 202. We sat quietly, kind of looking around, anxiously waiting the outcome of Mr. T's surgery. It was even okay to talk? Or was it even okay to talk? I wondered. A lot of other people from school sat waiting, hoping for Mr. T. Miss Williams and her red-haired secretary, Miss Barton, waited. Mr. Loomis and Mr. Reddy sat and waited. Everyone at school liked Mr. T. That was just another testament to him. Technically, today was a school day, but Mrs. Williams helped us make arrangements to be here. I can't make this a school-sponsored field trip, she told us about a week ago. At that point, we knew when Mr. T's surgery had been scheduled, and Mrs. Williams realized our entire class planned to be there. I can't have all of you climb onto a bus and be taken to the hospital, she said. Our parents can drive us there, Anna suggested, and we can help each other with rides. I like that idea, Miss Williams said. Then you can leave when you want, or not go at all, if you'd rather not. I thought about Jeffrey. Miss Newberry, Miss Kelsey, and Miss Warner also came. The school was able to provide substitutes for their classes, but not everyone's. I expected all the teachers would have been here if it weren't a school day. That was when I realized that Mr. T didn't have any family present. Not one person. I thought of his desk back in our classroom. Every teacher has family pictures on his or her desk. Not Mr. T. And there were only two flower arrangements in this hospital room. One from Miss Newberry and one from Snow Hill School. But no mom or dad were sitting next to his bed. How had I missed it? Not one family picture? Not one family member visiting or waiting next to me? Did he even have family? I wondered. Had my mother noticed and not said anything? Had any of my classmates had the same thoughts? 
All of a sudden, there was so much I didn't know about my beloved teacher. I just wished he had opened up more and given me a chance. I heard Miss Newberry say. She was talking quietly to Miss Williams. He was beginning to let me get close. I didn't know what he was so afraid of. Or what he's hiding, Miss Williams added. I just want the chance, Miss Newberry said. I care about him so much, and so do the kids. He better pull through. I heard Miss Newberry's voice crack. Miss Williams put an arm around her. They were quiet. I suddenly had a lot of un- unanswered questions going through my mind. But none of them mattered. If Mr. T didn't make it through the surgery, how long will his operation take? Anna asked. She didn't realize she had blurted this out until she met our startled looks. Thanks, Anna, I thought. The perfect candidate to break our silence. Eight hours, Luke said. Less if goes well. More if there are complications. Silence again. Luke. I'd visited the hospital several times, but never once had I gone into the waiting room. Not until I sat there with my class on brain surgery day. Sat for hours. The room had a nice layout. The architects had found a way to maximize, dollar word, the area while keeping a large perimeter. The room represented a rectangle with little sections of the wall jutting into the interior here and there. This created corners and smaller spaces within the larger room. I figured this was important because people wanted privacy. At least that was how I felt while I waited. Just going to look and see here. Danielle's short. That's the last one I'm going to read. So, Danielle. We sat together in the waiting room. I sat next to my mother. We left Grandma at home, not knowing how she would handle being in the company of Terry and Anna. Anna sat across from us next to her mother. A large wooden coffee table rested in the middle of everyone. It reminded me of our class meetings. We didn't form a circle on the floor, and we didn't have the microphone, but it was close enough. Except no one talked. Mr. T always started our meeting, so we sat silent until Anna spoke up. Thank goodness. But after Luke answered her question, no one else talked. At least not until Jeffrey surprised us. He put our class microphone in the middle of that big wooden table. I stared at it. Then I looked at Jeffrey. How did he know to bring it? Just a hunch, he said. I noticed that he and Jessica were looking at each other. I reached down and took the microphone. Remember the first time Mr. T brought this out, I said? I passed the microphone to Lexi. I was like, tech, teach is a weirdo, she said. But it turned out to be pretty cool. Sort of like the grass thing. 70,537,412, Luke reminded us. That grass project was awesome. The microphone moved around our square, and we shared different stories and memories. It was perfect. Then a doctor came into the waiting room. Not to leave you... uh on the edge of your seat, but I said I wouldn't do more than 15 minutes at a time, so you'll have to wait till tomorrow. Um, we probably have about three or four days of this book, and then we'll be done. So thank you for listening. I hope that you're kind of taking in all these kids and notice that sometimes when things are really scary, the best thing to do is to talk and to let others know how you're feeling. 